I love talking to people. I want to hear what they got to say. And that makes me really happy. It makes me excited to, to see that there's new challenges and new things in life. I, I never want to be the smartest person in the room and I never want to be the one talking the most. I don't know if you're going to see this voice moment, but I thought I was happy. Are, are you happy? I'm not happy at all. The question is, are you happy? Yes. I'm the happiest I've ever been happy? right now. Yes. Be the person who you'd want to meet because somebody needs you. Welcome to Are You Happy? The Happy Hour. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Are You Happy Podcast. Today, we are diving back into the business world as we have been for the last few months. But you know what? It has been such an amazing time. We've met some really cool people from CEOs to titans of industry to even entrepreneurs who just began their business not even days ago. But today, we have an amazing woman who is the founder of Direct Pay Net. And let me tell you, she's amazing, and you're going to hear just why. Working since she's was 13, she's been paving the way for not just her employees, but also for ladies that are interested in business. So let's meet her, Maria Sparagus. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. And I love that you also have your own podcast show. I think that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's a passion project of mine. So my show at Censored Direct Marketing, we have an audio podcast and a YouTube channel. And we work a lot with anybody who's selling anything online can definitely find some value on, on that podcast. So what is your show about? So it's really about direct response marketing. So I'm in payments. I work as a payment processor. I help people get merchant accounts and so forth. But I know I take it kind of a step further. My company, Direct Paynet, is really focused on being a boutique firm and really helping merchants with their conversions and making sure that they have all the tools that they need to convert every sale on the payment side. So we work, we do inter technical integrations for anything payments related and a lot, a lot of advice for the merchants that work with us on dialing in their checkout pages and all that. So the podcast is really kind of focused on everything from front end sales to upsells, to payments, to email lists, anything that can kind of impact the conversion basically. And so did the origin of the show creation, did that come from your company or did it come from you thinking like, hey, I have more, Yes, I have more to say on this? Yeah. I mean, I've been doing this for 15 years. So my podcast is a little bit over two years old right now. Yeah. A little bit over two. So it came because everybody has, I guess, a medium of how they like to spread out information. It's For me, it's talking. I can write, but I feel like I might get too complicated. So I was like, I just feel like I need to get this knowledge out of my head and into the world. So it was, you know, COVID-ish time. I was like, I was a little bit bored and at home a lot. I was like, oh, let me just get my mic on and record and see what happens. And it's working out. I mean, people like the show and, and it's bringing us new clients. It's bringing me a lot of media opportunities and stuff like that. So it's it's fun. I like doing it. And, and it's, you know, it brings a lot to my company. But it also, for me personally, I, I wanted to be a teacher when I was younger. So I feel like this almost like is a little bit of a, a branch in that direction. That's true. And you're such an excellent speaker by the way. I'm curious and, and I'm sure that our audience is curious too. When you first started doing your podcast, did you kind of go through like a lot of like learning curves and a lot of various scenarios when you were putting your show together? Well, I mean, honestly, I feel like it took a little bit of while for me to get into my groove. My first couple of interviews, which some were deleted off my channel and stuff because they were just <laughs> cringe. We, we were like, that doesn't sound so good. The first, I would say 10 episodes were getting there. I, questions weren't asked very well and it wasn't positioned 
that I didn't do my prep as well as I do now. Now I, I have somebody on my team that's able to do a little bit of research on who's coming on. We prepare a couple of questions, not to make it too scripted, but just enough to kind of guide the conversation. That's really, really helpful. But I, I think with anything in life, you really got to just keep trying. Like I felt like such a, like, pardon, like a moron when I got on the mic the first time. I was like, oh, I, I'm who's going to listen to me? What's, what's, you know, I had all these thoughts in my head and whatever. And then, you know, the first time I got this, like, hey, Maria, that was really awesome. That really helped my business. I was like, oh my God, somebody's listening and they're using this and it's good, you know? So it gives you a little bit of that. And there's, there's always haters, of course, but of course. you know, that you just have to keep going and, and you find your stride. I mean, I think I started getting really good after like seven or eight months. Really, it took a long, long time before I felt comfortable. I was always very nervous before I had to interview somebody. So then when you did interview them and then you kept on doing more and more shows, what's, what's something that you look at now and you're like, man, I can't believe I even thought that when I first started doing this. Hmm, good question. Because I'm not somebody that's very well known, I'm not famous or anything like that. I think I discounted the fact that how, you know, helpful I can be to other people and other businesses specifically, and other freelancers and so forth. And, you know, everybody's got something to share. It's not everybody's cup of tea. You know, my channel's not going to be something that's going to necessarily, you know, talk to everybody. But for the people that are there, I think I discounted how much value I can provide to them. So I'm happy that I got my voice out there and I'm teaching what I what I know. Yeah, well, we're happy too because I think that we need more people to explain, you know, what payment processing is and how it impacts the world and how what you do actually, you know, it makes a difference. For the companies that you work with, how far does that extend? Is that like international or is it mostly like domestic? We work with a lot of US merchants, of course. I'm actually physically based in Canada, but our business is primarily American. We do also help Canadian merchants, of course, and we work with Europeans and we work with Brits. I don't know if now they're considered Europe or not, but <laughs> British people, we work with everybody in Europe and the EEA kind of second tier or second tier European countries as well. I mean, I get questions about payment processing from people all around the world. And I always try to answer them, you know, via, via the, the, my, my YouTube channel or, or my, my podcast, people ask me questions and I just know a lot about the payment landscape. Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to be helpful and I get questions and that actually helps me prepare some podcast episodes. Cause it's like, Oh, people want to know about this. So, you know, I would, say I talk to people internationally, but we get merchant accounts for really those regions and people don't realize how important payment processing is. I think now that the economy is not doing as well, a lot of offer owners and business owners and so forth are starting to look at everything in their business. And this is where I become more important because now you want to convert every sale from anybody who comes onto your cart. You want to convert every single sale. It's not running like water, like it was in 2020 on, on the online world. So now it's like, well, we're getting 10 people to come to our checkout page, how come only eight are converting? So that's where, you know, people like me come in. We're experts, myself, my team, I say we, and it's like, I'm talking about a couple of people, some people behind me as well. We can help you kind of understand why these declines are happening and give you tools to convert the sales. And sometimes it's silly reasons. Sometimes it's tech reasons. Sometimes there's nothing we can do. You know what I mean? It depends, but you have to really dig in. And it's something I think, you know, payments, a lot of business owners, they think they just plug it in and it works. And it's all the same and it's not, it's really not. There's a lot of very different nuances for like, if you're a European merchant selling to Americans, if you're American selling somewhere else, if you're a global company, if you're a digital company, if you're a fulfillment based company, there's a lot of things that you have to keep in mind and best practices to make sure that you, you're, you're really squeezing out every dollar from every sale. So what do you do in your free time? It sounds like you're a very busy lady all the time <laughs> and that's good. I'm all for it. But what do you do to like, just take it easy and just like turn off. What do you do? 
So, I mean, I have to say that I really do love working and I, I, I'm not trying to say this to be facetious here. I just, I really like, I don't mind what I do. So a lot of times on my free time, which is not very often, I do work because I'm like, oh, let me get a couple of emails. Let me answer a few things, get a few ideas. It's my way of when I do things that are like, let's say a little bit more podcast related or like media related, that's relaxing for me. And I don't, I don't find that's like very, you know, stressful work-wise. I am a mom. So I have, you know, my family and my son that I need to, he's young. So there's a lot of like hockey tryouts and piano lessons and dancing and skating and all that stuff. So there's a lot of that happening on the weekends. And I I really try to focus that for him on the weekend. And for myself personally, I try to work out a couple of times a week and that's my me time. I like to, you know, I have a trainer and we we do our routine and I find that relaxing. Again, I don't know. I I feel like people are going to listen to this and be like, that is not, does not sound like relaxing, (laughs) but I'll watch Netflix. Netflix once in a while too, you know, I'm a human being, but like, it's not, it's not too often. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes getting the stuff off your list, that's relaxing because you're not stressing about this big list. So yeah, no, yeah. I, I totally understand what you mean. I totally get it. And I hear that life coaches are now the thing. I never thought about life coaches, but apparently people get life coaches like they do trainers now. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, coaching, I think has become like such a, like such a beast of an industry. Like everybody has a coach for something, like whether it's their business or their lifestyle or they're, they're working out their health or whatever. And I don't think it's, it's a bad thing necessarily, unless like there are some pretty bad coaches and you, you want to try to avoid that. So you want to take every measure you can to make sure that it's the right fit life coaches. I mean, I think it's just another way of saying psychologists to a certain extent, like you need some, some, some people just need a little bit of help. I'm not, you know, I, I don't judge on that. I don't condone it or say it's not good. I think it's not good if you get the wrong person and, and the wrong feedback. And if somebody's vulnerable and they don't really get what they're being told is is not right, then that could be a problem. And unfortunately, there are some coaches that are in there just for the money and not, you know, they'll just keep you in their world for a really, really long time without necessarily helping you. So I would say buyer beware for that. But I mean, a life coach that can really help you is probably worth its weight in gold. If somebody really gets you out of a rut or really gets you motivated or really gets you to, to certain goals or a relationship that you want to be in or anything like that, then it's amazing. You're from Canada, right? Born and raised. Yes. I come from immigrant parents. So I have a a very strong Greek background. My parents still speak to me in Greek and we do all the Greek stuff and, and whatever. But yes, born and raised in Canada. What's your favorite Greek dish? Oh, you're going to make me name one. My, <laughs> my mom makes something called stifado, which is like a meat that's braised over like six hours with some special spices. A lot of people don't know this dish, but if you ever go to Greece, ask for the stifado. It's the best dish ever. Stifado. Stifado? Is that right? Yes, stifado. stifado. Oh, yeah. that sounds really good. I'm going to tell our team to send us to Greece just for that because it's homework. <laughs> can be bad. Can be bad. That's a good one. And, and would, would you say that, I guess, growing up watching your parents, were they like like very, very into business and they were just encouraging for you to to grow up and be the best you could be. Would you say that that's right? Or how would you say you gained your work ethic? So my parents have been living in Canada for over 50 years and still don't speak any English. So they only speak Greek. So it actually, entrepreneurship happened by accident for them in the sense that they didn't necessarily want to become entrepreneurs. They had to become entrepreneurs because that they couldn't actually communicate and get jobs and do things that regular Canadians do. Okay. So you said to this day, they don't speak English. Is that correct? No, they only speak Greek. How do they get around? Is it through like family or how do they communicate? 
I mean, they, they can speak, you know, they can speak enough to get by, which with a very, very heavy accent, but typically they're very lucky that they had four children and we all take care of them and we do what they got to do. And I became, I think their de facto accountant when I was 13 because they, they couldn't understand any of the documents that were coming in for their business. So I, I learned how to speak French, which is the local language in the part of Canada that I'm in. And obviously I speak English as well. And I would like call Revenue Canada agencies for them and, and take care of all that stuff. So it was, it's, it's quite funny, but I, I think a lot of people who have immigrant parents kind of go through that. They have to almost like be the adult. A lot of immigrants have to be business owners because they have no other option in terms of work. And so like you being the unofficial accountant at such a young age, did that also kind of play into your experience and how you looked at work as an adult when you did get to the age to work? Yeah, I mean, I think my background and, you know, my family life really shaped who I am today. My my parents were hustlers. You know, if I have to say it in, in a certain way, it's like they they hustled. They, they, you know, they had four kids, they had mortgage, they had all this stuff. So they just made sure they made money. So th- that kind of that culture, that way of working rubbed off on me, made me a little bit of a workaholic, I think more so than most people, just because it's like, oh, you can do more and you can do something else and, and so forth. But it definitely, definitely shaped me and it helped me kind of have my parents were entrepreneurs. They were successful in, in terms of making sure we had food to eat and a, a roof over our head, but I wouldn't call them wildly successful. So I always said, you know, I'm going to go into entrepreneurship and I will, you know, make sure that I have a good lifestyle and I, that I don't work, have to work 12, 15 hours a day to feed my family. Well, well, I would say that they're probably super duper proud of who you've become. I think you're impressive. I've only known you, you for about 20 minutes. Yeah, they're pretty proud. My mom, when I launched my podcast, my mom, you know, I showed it to her and she she started crying. She's like, my daughter's on TV. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's watching it, <laughs> but like I did it. <laughs> yeah, my mom, sometimes she'll listen to our podcast and she'll say, you're on the radio. And I'm like, no, it's not the radio. But close <laughs> enough for jazz. It's okay. So with Direct Pay Net, how did that come about? As everything good in life, it happens by accident. I straight out of university, finished you know my schooling, and a couple of friends of mine started getting into the online space. So I am I'm in my 40s. So I really got into the online space really at the beginning, like in the early 2000s. You know, I just kind of saw the internet and technology and all that, and I was really fascinated by it. I was like, oh, I want to work online. I want to have a computer where I work. I know it sounds kind of foreign to maybe younger listeners. They're like, what is she talking about? But it was a thing back then. Being able to work online, a computer using the internet was the dream. So that's what I wanted to do. So I really tried to focus on that. I tried to take some like programming and so forth. And then I had a couple of friends of mine who were very entrepreneurial and they wanted to start a business. And I joined in and it became a very, very large business. They exited with a nine figure exit in their late 20s. And during my my time there, what I did was everything that has to do with payments, payment processing, opening up companies for them and so forth. And it was the experience was amazing because we were all friends. They were kind of like my bosses, but what they did was they just gave me ultimate freedom to do anything that I wanted, that I saw fit. So I actually took that opportunity and learned about corporate formation, corporate structures, merchant accounts, payments, fintech tools, just everything that can help us convert more sales, make more money and so forth. And I was really, really good at it. I took their fees down by like 70% from when we started. And then they exited a couple of years later, maybe four years later. And I decided to leave at that point because I just wanted to 
spread my wings and start on my own. And I started direct payment in early 2010. And now we're, we're still, we're still doing what we do. Obviously the landscapes evolved a lot, like payments have changed and the way we do things have changed, but I still find it challenging every day because I talk to different people every day. I, I learn something new, something new tech comes in. So it's right up my alley. Cause I like to keep my brain busy. Yeah, for sure. So watching you, your kids are probably like, wow, this is something that I want to emulate. And this is something that I want to be. I want to be successful. I want to be that person that creates my own adventure, which is what you did. So I think that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I always, you know, I always walked to the beat of my own drum as a kid. I kind of, not that I didn't want to follow the pack, but if the pack wasn't where I was going, I was fine with kind of going on my own path. So I think this is just an extension of that. I just like to, I always like to work in a smaller environment where I can, you know, have more impact and try things and test things. So just constant learning. When I stop learning, I get bored. So it, it was important for me to have a career that allows me to keep learning. Do you think that that's kind of like a hallmark of a successful business person or an entrepreneur in general is that you get bored with like mainstream, I don't want to say mainstream society, but you get bored with like the mainstream, like a uh, corporate life and you see more or you see something different than where you are. So then you have no choice but to go create it because it doesn't exist yet. Or, you know, what's in front of you, what's what's available isn't interesting enough. I mean, I think there's a case to be made for, you know, nine to five kind of regular jobs. And, you know, a lot of people in my family do have, you know, very good careers that they love that have more structure in a, in a more corporate environment. That's for some people, for people like me and, and people who have that entrepreneur spirit. I think it's always from what I can tell, of course, is it's never enough. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but you always want more, whether it be more money, more knowledge, more network connections, more media, more, it, it almost seems like it, it can never be enough. And obviously from a mental health perspective, you know, you have to be able to control yourself and be happy at a certain point. But I think a common trait for more of the successful entrepreneurs is that they're, they're always kind of seeking something out and they're not satisfied with the status quo. And so when it comes to your life, are you happy? Yes. But I, yes, with a little star, I'm going to put a little star there. The little star is I do feel like in North America specifically, I go to Europe a lot. So that's why I'm, I'm specifically saying North America, North Americans in general, like Canadians, Americans and so forth. I feel like there's a little bit of a expectation to be happy all the time. You know what I mean? And if you're not, then there's something wrong. I'm happy. Yes. But sometimes I'm not. And that's okay. I go to Greece a lot. I feel like the Greeks have a lot more of a kind of leisurely relationship with happiness. They're happy and they're having, if they're having a crappy day, it's fine. It's not as kind of emphasized as they're like, why aren't you happy? What happened? And it's like, I'm just having a bad day and it is what it is. And they have expressions, which I'm not going to say, because I don't know how many Greek listeners you have, but they have some expressions. <laughs> they're more at peace with the fact that sometimes they're not happy. Whereas I feel like in North America, if you're having, sometimes I have a bad week, it's not necessarily a bad day. It's like a whole week of feeling pretty crappy and so forth. And, you know, I thank my Greek background for it and going to Greece quite often that it's like, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. It'll pass. Everything passes. So that's my, you know, my mindset is like, yeah, I'm having a bad week, but it's okay. I'll have a better week next week. Yeah, I can see that. I think Greek people are very fascinating when it comes to certain adages and certain attitudes toward things, I think. And maybe it's just because they're on the other side of the world and they have that worldly perspective, but it's definitely different than, than how we view conflict or how we view, you know, things when they're not going so well. So I think there is much we can learn from them. <laughs> and Europeans in general, they just have a, a, the way that they look at life is pretty different than how we see things in North America. Yeah, definitely. And so you mentioned your work 
you you love your work, you love your family. Are there other things in your daily life that produce happiness for you? I mean, I love I love talking to people. So every time I talk to people, I'm, I'm usually it gives me a lot of energy. And you know, one thing that I love again, just kind of an extension with my podcast and so forth, is really teaching people. You know, I have some some family members and and so forth that are younger generations and just kind of showing them the ropes. And then for myself, I always try to kind of look for mentors that are in different places in in their lives that can maybe help me get to another another phase. Like for example, in my business, like I I, I love to get advice from you know more senior people or people who see things a little bit differently mm-hmm. that can get me to the next level. And that brings me happiness because it, it just I I never want to be the smartest person in the room and I never want to be the one talking the most. Obviously, I'm on a podcast now, so I am talking <laughs> the most. But I, I on the flip side on my podcast, I try to get the guests to talk because I want to learn. I want to hear what they got to say, and that that makes me really happy. It makes me excited to to see that there's new challenges and new things in life. And did someone teach you that to listen more than you speak? Or is that something that you just kind of derived on your own? I would say I was not like this in my younger years. I used to talk a lot more and thought I was a lot smarter than I was. Then I realized when I started my business that if I keep talking, I'm going to be the one losing. So people like to be listened to. So it was something that I learned like a soft skill. I would say right when I was starting my business that if I kept my mouth quiet, it ended with better relationships with people who were around me and better networking. Are some of those relationships that you made still with you today? Oh, yes. I have to say the first year that I was in business, the first year or two that I was in business, all the clients that came on because it was just me for the first two years, like I didn't have any staff, I didn't have any support. So I kind of walked them through everything. And we we worked so closely together. And I was making mistakes, but they were being, you know, they were being kind to me. My, a lot of my clients, they knew I was starting and I was always fully transparent that what I was doing and, and so forth. I would say my first three or four clients have become very, very close friends. I went to one of my, I think it was my second client. I went to his wedding. He came and stayed at my house and we hang out. And like, we, like it just became like, we worked so much together and so well together. It became almost like a, it did become a friendship. We don't actually work together anymore. Now we're just friends. And a lot of my bigger clients from the early years really became good friends. That's amazing. That's so cool how they're still in your life. And do they like still give you advice and kind of like chat with you when you have like any things that you need to talk over as far as business is concerned? Always. I always like, I love the owner, the business owners that I work with and the the clients that I work with are usually very successful. They run very successful online businesses. So I learned so much about online marketing and how to convert sales and, you know, marketing strategy and some amazing marketing materials that I get to view because as I'm, I'm reviewing things for their accounts, I was like, that's genius. That's like really crazy. So they're always giving me, even if they don't want to, they're always giving me the keys to their castle because I see so much of their marketing and I see, you know, obviously their numbers on the back end. So you get to see how successful something is. And you're like, wow, that's, that's really like, it's amazing to be a part of that. Yeah, definitely. Now, if you could share a message with the whole world, any message at all, what would that be? Hmm. I think I would say that financial tools are going to fix poverty or can fix poverty. What do you mean by that? So for example, a lot of people in third world countries or, you know, less developed economies, they can't participate in the world economy because they don't have the same access that people like us in North America or Europe do. If we give people access to tools, to financial tools that can get them out of poverty. So somebody, for example, in Africa, as much as, as entrepreneurial as they are, as smart as they are, or anything that they have, they cannot physically sell something to somebody in the US. Mm. They can't get a merchant account. I mean, they could in Africa, but it's not as developed as it is here. And they just have a hard time actually even collecting payments, sending payments. So they can have the best product in the world. There 
could be a million people who want it, but they actually physically cannot collect money from you in order to get it if it's a consumer good. So if you give people access to financial tools, it can get them out of poverty straight up. Literally, they, you know, you give people access to be able to process credit cards. Well, they can start their own business now and they can start collecting payments for different things that they do. That's so true. And I don't think we think of businesses that that help make that possible in that respect. You really are changing the world. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, we we do support more of the, you know, Western Europe and Canada, US, but there are a lot of tools. There's, you know, there's blockchain and cryptocurrency. That's really, really exciting, I think, mm. for people in these regions and will allow them to start trading and allow them to start participating in the economy. And I think, you know, ultimately it's going to be a win for everybody if there's more competition, if there's more different products entering the market, like Asia and, and Africa are still kind of unknown to most North Americans and what they offer and mm-hmm. in terms of talent, in terms of products, in terms of services. So once they're able to trade effectively, like on a global scale, I think it's going to be awesome to get them out of a lot of people out of poverty and also to offer something new to the world. Definitely. So what are some social handles and websites where people can find you and more on the company? Sure. So my company's website is directpaynet.com. So D-I-R-E-C-T-P-A-Y-N-E-T.com. That's essentially for, you know, business owners who are looking for payment services or need some help or advice from me or somebody on my team and their payments. My podcast is Uncensored Direct Marketing. So that is available on all audio platforms. And we also have a YouTube channel that has some audio, some clips and some tips and so forth. So you can always find me there. I think I'm on every platform. So I would say, you know, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and so forth. You can either find me as Direct Paynet or Maria, Maria Sparagus. Most of the stuff that is on social media for me is would be found on Direct Paynet. Full disclosure, I have somebody who runs my social media. So I would have to hundred <laughs> so percent check. Maria. But you know, my name, Maria Sparagus or Direct Paynet, you'll find me pretty much anywhere on, on any platform. Awesome. Well, we will definitely put the information for you and your business in the description of the episode. That way everyone can access you. And then and then we actually will follow you as well, because we will share this episode amongst all our 4 million plus people in the world. And we will check in with you. I want to say at the end of the year, I have this vision to take every single business person that we've interviewed and put them in a room and see what happens. So- oh, that's <laughs> cool. You guys are going to, oh, that, where are you based at? Well, I'm in Texas, but but we'll put them okay. in a Zoom room. <laughs> okay. I was like, oh, let's meet up in person. Then. Oh, heck yeah. And at some point we're going to Canada. It's just, it's it's happening. Yeah, I would love to meet you, but I really love what you're doing. I, I love that you've built this amazing company. You're helping so many people. And then you're also inspiring everyone every day with everything you do. So keep on doing it and being awesome. And then I just wanted to ask real quick, just as a nugget for people that are entrepreneurs or people that are thinking about starting a business, but they're just not quite, you know, there. What's a piece of advice you want to tell them so that way they can get on it and do all the things they want to do. I would say that you have to go all in. I mean, trying to be a part-time entrepreneur for me didn't work. I tried to kind of balance having a job and so forth. Depends where you are in life, of course. Like if you have, you know, family and so forth. I was lucky enough that I started my business when I did not have a family, did not have a mortgage and all that. So I was able to to kind of do these things. But if you are on your own and starting a journey, I would say you have to go all in in order to make it happen. I agree. And thank you. Thank you so very much. It's been amazing. Maria Sparagas, Direct Paynet, the coolest lady in the world, aka. (laughs) It's been the most amazing afternoon with you. So thanks a lot. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And you guys will hear this episode on all of the major podcast platforms and be sure to join us next week for Are You Happy Podcast.
The Are You Happy Hour and Are You Happy Hotline are brought to you by Are You Happy Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media such as Instagram and subscribe via your favorite podcast platform. Are You Happy, the docuseries, can also be found on social media such as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. See you guys next time for another wonderful episode of Are You Happy, the Happy Hour.